Hi. All right, I'm going to try to do this in stereo sound, okay? Here and here. So Isaac Besheva Singer, the great English Yiddish author, was once asked if he believed in free will, to which he responded, do I have a choice? I wanted to speak with you this year on the birth of this year about hope, and I felt like I didn't have a choice either. Because it's such a hard year for hope. I felt like I had to talk about it. That light at the end of the pandemic tunnel turned out just to be Delta just coming on through. <laughs> that was a good joke. I wasn't trying to be funny. Uh, <laughs> second summer of really feeling the direct effects of climate change. Another conflagration in Israel, Palestine, Afghanistan, Texas. Hard year for hope. And so this is a really difficult drosh to write. And I have to tell you, that the only way I could get through it, the only way I could put sort of digital pen to paper was by researching some really hilarious Jewish jokes from this sermon, most of which are absolutely inappropriate to share here. And also, I, I kid you not, um, I bought my wife this foot massager for Mother's Day and then just co-opted it for a whole month. And I just sort of stuck my feet in there and like need, 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 word after word after word. And I'm telling you about this stupid foot massager because honestly, things are kind of that bad, so we might as well laugh at it. No choice but to laugh. I know we're struggling. I see it. I hear it. I know we're ground down. There's a place that a lot of us are in right now. And it's not fear and it's not panic. Been there, done that, tried to buy out all the toilet paper. Now that, Shelly, was a bad joke. It's fatigue. We've had enough. But whatever it is hasn't had enough of us. And we don't know how much of this there is to come. Are you being ground down? Are you losing hope? Then this drosh is for you. So lean in, my friends, because what we're going to share today is the secret of how to hope, even when it seems so unlikely as to be impossible. We're going to understand hope. We're going to understand what at its root, how it actually flies in the face of certainty and only lives in uncertainty. We're going to learn the sign of hope, which is humor. Real hope is funny. And we're going to learn the secret to hope, the purpose of it, which is that hope is meant to be a crowbar, a mental axe that breaks open the sliver of unlikely possibility until it is a door that all of us walk through together. And the most important part of all of this is where are we going to learn this from? From our Jewish ancestors, who knew times like this and worse, and still were filled with the Holy Spirit. As much as they went through and still they got up every Friday night and sang, get yourself up, shake off the dust. Lechadu dili krat kala.
it's time to welcome the Shabbos bride. So this one is about the secret of Jewish hope. Can people hear me? I'm a peripatetic speaker, which is really annoying for you, but a little bit helpful for me. I can only write this drosh, by the way, while walking up and down the street. I don't know what that says about me. Or with a, your feet in the massage. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> so back when I lived in DC, I met this guy. And he was in his 40s, and he was about to graduate law school, and he had a wife and a kid. And the reason that he was graduating law school a little bit later than some of his peers is that 15 years ago, he had been on the street addicted to crack, smoking crack every day. And so he tells this story to a bunch of us who were there about the way that his life changed. And afterwards, I couldn't help myself. I come up to this guy, and I, I ask him, how did you do it? What was the thing? What was the turning point that turned your life around? And this man stares me in my face with as serious a face as you've ever seen in your entire life. And he said, the DC housing market was really heating up and I didn't want to miss out. <laughs> so <laughs> So I'm stunned, and then we both start cracking up like no tomorrow. And I have never forgotten what that man said to me because it was so profound. Not just funny, but profound. Because what he was saying to me is, unask your question, dude. There is no pat formula to redemption. I can't wrap it up in a neat bow for you. It wasn't Joseph Campbell's hero's story. In fact, the odds were against me. I don't know how much you know about addiction, but only about 10% of addicts, between 10 and 20% ever really get clean. And this guy was telling me, you want me to give you the one thing? All I can tell you is this. I feel lucky to be here. And there was grace involved. I am in awe of this guy. And the reason that I am in awe of him is that he knew what was in front of him. He was being honest about his chances. It didn't look good for him. And yet he had the courage to hope anyway. That's hope. Hope is when you know every rational thing is against you. And you had the gall to do it nonetheless. Is Jewish hope too. Now, the book of the Bible that I probably, one of the books of the Bible that I know the best is the book of Echa. It's the book of Lamentations. And the reason I know it is because we dedicate a whole day to it in the summer. In the heat of the summer, on the ninth of the day of Av, we commemorate the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem and the exile which followed, full of pain and suffering. And the way you do it is by being hungry, thirsty, and reading Echa. That's really all there is to do. So it's a book I remember very well, and it is not a funny book. Think Schindler's List, not as lighthearted. And yet, and yet, in the middle of this book is a verse. It's not even a whole verse. It's just a fragment, a holy fragment that goes like this. Lai yesh tikva. Maybe there's still hope. When the rabbis who followed read this verse, they wept with heartache 
The Talmud literally teaches that when Rav Ami would come, one of the great teachers of the Talmud to this verse, he would weep like the brokenhearted when he read it. And he would say, all of this suffering and only maybe there's hope? These people who had known nothing but privation and they were ground down into the dust and only maybe the promise of God's redemption, only maybe the chance that they would get out of it? Can you hear the heartbreak? What I ask you to do is to listen to that holy fragment and its music once again. Now I have to tell you, and this is very Ashkenormative of me because I come from Ashkenavi stock, so the Sephardim in the group, I really apologize. I can't help hearing it, but in a thick Eastern European accent. Maybe there's hope. God, the chutzpah on these people. They couldn't see to the next day, and yet they were saving a part of themselves for the future. The brass holiness, I don't know what to call it. As bad as things got, they kept some part of themselves secreted away in a place of love and said, maybe, maybe the future, even though I can't imagine it, is waiting for me. They had the strength to hope. They had the strength to feel. In an uncertain world, even when the danger was incredibly real, they knew a secret, which is you never, ever, ever give up. And we are their heirs. We are tired and we are afraid. So let them teach us how to get up. The first thing to know about Jewish hope is that it's hilarious. It's funny. Uh, People know the phrase, speak of the devil? Yeah, it's fine. The Yiddish version of it, and I'm going to horribly mangle it, is Mezoldemonen Meshichen, which means I should have mentioned the Messiah. Because if I had, maybe he'd finally show up already. <laughs> you see, the sarcasm is kind of baked into it, and it's not tangential. It's not some kind of a side effect. It is essential for the understanding of what we're talking about. Right? And I went to the source. I went to the font of wisdom about this. Mel Brooks teaches. When asked why we need humor, he responded, it's a defense against the universe. It fights off the given as well, of the, our fear of the unknown, the unanswerable and the unacceptable. Humor is the way that hope bears reality without collapsing in the process. Listen to this one and tell me if you get what I'm saying. So Rabinovich has praying, been praying at the Western Wall for years and years and years and years, and some reporter hears about it and decides it would make a great human interest story. So she goes to the wall and sure enough, he's there and she comes back and she says, sir, how long have you been praying here? And he says, 67 years, three times a day. Amazing. Wow. What do you pray for? Rabinovich answers, I pray for peace between Arab and Jew and Christian. I pray that human beings should treat their fellow human beings with love and compassion. And I pray for politicians to be honest, inspiring. And what's it like for you to do that? What's it like for me? It's like talking to a goddamn wall. <laughs> See? 
I hope you're not offended by the goddamn. Honestly, the original version of the joke was much dirtier, so I had to find something. <laughs> right? Hilarious. I know it's bad humor, but it's our bad humor. It's amazing. But the thing is, I want you just to sort of see the vision of this guy wearing away the soft limestone of the Kotel with his hands, wearing it away with his breath as he prays, talking to a wall, hoping for peace. The humor and the hope, they're bound up with each other. What is hope? It isn't hopes and prayers, what is it, thoughts and prayers tweeted across the medium. It isn't just the province of young school children smiling beautifully. Hope is a crowbar. It's like this. If you look at the future and it looks terrible, bleak, awful, except that way over on one side of the probability bell curve, there's this crack, a golden crack filled with golden light of the future that you want but have basically sort of given up in because the odds are so low. What hope is supposed to be, what hope calls us to do is to wedge it into that crack. And then hope calls out to us, pull, pull. Pull with your hands, pull with your heart, pull with your wallet, pull with your ballots, pull with your lives. You know the ve'ahavta? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your life, with everything you own. That's the correct translation, by the way. How total is that demand? That's the demand of hope. Lean on me, says hope. You know how Archimedes said, find me a lever big enough and I will move the world? If you didn't, now you know. Hope says, I am that lever. Rebecca Solnit, who is the incredible feminist thinker and writer, Dahlia Lithwick once said that she's so amazing because she has the gift of being both prophet and healer in the same words, and she says this, hope is an ax you should break down doors with in an emergency because hope should shove you out the door because it will take everything you have to steer the future away from endless war, from the annihilation of the earth's treasures and grinding down of the poor and marginal. That's the prophetic voice. Here's the healing. Hope just means another world might be possible, not promised, not guaranteed. Hope calls for action. Action is impossible without hope. I'll tell you another secret. Rosh Hashanah, this holiday, is the holiday of hope. And that's because it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Look, Rosh Hashanah is the new year. This is the first day of 5782. The last year is over. It's done. What's done is done. The way we've lived is the way we live. The deeds we've accomplished are the deeds we've accomplished. The stuff we've done wrong is the stunts we've done wrong. Turn your test face down on the desk. <laughs> That's the truth. The past is the past. And it is a truth that Rosh Hashanah rejects for about five to six hours every morning. Look, the prayer that we're about to say, Uteshuva Utefilo Tzedakah, that repentance, prayer, charity, 
can annul the verdict against us is a denial of the truth that passes the past and an insertion of another that there's still time to make it right. Sometimes I think that Rosh Hashanah services are so long because we're basically just waiting for God to get tired of us and write us in the book of life to be done with us. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me give you an, let me tell you sort of what Rosh Hashanah is supposed to call from us. My youngest son, Rafi, is what his mother-in-law, who's from Russia, calls a hooligan. Now, I don't know if it's Hebrew or Russian. I can't really figure it out, but he is a hooligan. What does it mean that who's a hooligan? Rafi likes to stand up on tables, and if Rafi's going to stand up on table, he's going to stand up on a freaking table. He will climb on anything. We turned the dining room chairs over, and he still figured out how to get up on the table. And every time he does it, he smiles at us like, I know that you know that I know that you know that I was going to be here. <laughs> he has a cheerful relentlessness about him, that kid. He's a hooligan. And what is Rosh Hashanah? other than encouraging people to be holy hooligans. Stay here, call out until there's hope. I know you're tired. I know it's been a lot. But somewhere inside of us all is an unquenchable well that is stocked with the promise of the future, that knows that the impossible can become the is possible. Somewhere inside of you is a smiling, laughing, crowbar-wheeling hooligan who isn't going to leave until the crack becomes a door and the door becomes the future. Our ancestors were just those kinds of utterly insufferable hopesters. Who are we to break with tradition? We're about to go into the Unatana Tokif, into the prayer of destiny, into the prayer of fate, into the prayer of mortality. And inside all of each of us is a future that we have written off a healthy planet for our children, a united country, a place where people get vaccinated, peace. We've written it off. We don't think it's possible. Right there is where I want you to wedge your hope. Shana Tovah.